0: All right, well, I want to say hello to everyone across all of our campuses today. Uh, if you're joining us from west, downtown, uh, north, anybody online, those of you in our PM services, those of you here at Northwest, and for the very first time in the history of our church, can we give it up for our Midtown campus? Today is their grand opening. We want you to feel the love through the screen. Uh, Man, so glad to have you join us. Welcome to the family. I've been getting text updates and and, uh, videos and pictures of the morning services over there, and so cannot wait uh, to hear all that God is going to do in and through that campus. And we are in week number two of this three-week series of messages. We are calling Screen Time, and if you missed it last week, what we're doing is we're just pausing at the beginning of a brand new year, and we're talking about technology and and screens, I know that may be a little bit unusual uh, to talk about in church. And we may think, well, what does the Bible have to really say about this modern phenomenon anyway? And I want to be really clear that um, we're not glamorizing screams, nor are we demonizing them. Like this isn't a three-week TED Talk on technology. And it's not a three-week guilt trip, right? It's designed to make you feel bad or to cause an argument on the way home, all right? That's not the intent of this. Uh, I've got a smartphone uh, I'm on a screen every day. Uh, truth be known, I wrote this message on a screen. I'm preaching this message from a screen. We are somewhat dependent upon them today. And I think that all of us would, would probably say, like, you know, technology and screens, like, in and of themselves, like, it's not a bad thing. It's, like, sort of a neutral thing. It could be used for good. It could be used for bad. It, it's sort of a, a, of a tool. And, like, any tool that you would find in your toolbox at home, like you always want to make sure that you pick the right tool for the job and that that tool, when it's used the appropriate way, it can be a tremendous help, can't it? Like I don't want to drive a a nail with my fist. I want to use a hammer, right? Like that tool will help me and I'll be more productive. I'll save some time. I think the same thing could be said of our screens. When we use them in good ways, like it can be productive. It can help connect us with others. We have all this knowledge and information at our fingertips. It can be a really, really good thing. But when we misuse it, it can cause some harm, and it can be somewhat damaging. I am notorious around our house um, for misusing tools. I don't know if any of you can relate to me, but uh, I just always, I get impatient is really what it comes down to, and I don't want to take the time to figure out how to use the tool the right way. So it is not uncommon for my wife to walk into a room in our house, and she'll be like, she'll, she'll say this, what, what are you doing? i be like, well, I'm fixing this. And she's like, well, Okay, I appreciate the effort, but that's a hammer. And you're working on the television, all right? Those two things don't go together. Like, why are you trying to repair the thermostat with crazy glue? Like, those two things should never come into contact with each other. And it's gotten to the point where anytime something breaks in our house, I'll be like, I'll take a look at it, and I can see it all over my wife's face. She would rather me not. And she'll be like, yeah, I'll just have one of the kids look at it. You... (laughs) You just go in the other room and color, you. Uh, And so when it comes to our screens, like they can be an incredibly powerful tool. And when it comes to this technological tool, I think that all of us would agree that a lot has changed in how we use them and a lot has changed quickly. And and I know this is going to sound crazy, but there was a time really not that long ago when we primarily used our cell phones for Are you ready for this? Making phone calls. I I know it sounds crazy, but that's primarily what we use them for. But like now that's like the thing that I use it for the least. It's gotten to the point now, like when my phone rings, it's annoying. And I like look at it and I see who's calling and I'm like, why aren't you texting me? Right? Just and I remember speaking of text messaging, I can remember when text messaging first came out. Any of you remember this? I was like, that'll never catch on. Like, who wants to spend all their time, like, trying to find the little letters and punch it out with your grubby little fingers? Like, it's just going to be a big, big waste of time. And <laughs> little would I know, I stand corrected, all right? It's, it's become the primary way that most of us communicate with others. I can remember sitting down watching uh, Steve Jobs introduce the iPhone to the world in 2006, 2007, sometime around that time frame. And I was blown away. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, on that one little device, we can download music, we can surf the web, we can check email, we can play Angry Birds. Like, we can do all this stuff on this powerful little device, and these screens are an incredibly powerful tool. They they were, and they just continue to increase in their power. And many of us are beginning to discover, though, that they can potentially be misused. And I think that many of us are beginning to ask, we're beginning to wonder. Maybe we've never even really articulated it, but we felt it. Like, is this really the way that I want to use this? It's begun to even feel like instead of it being a tool that we use, like we're being used by the tool. And they're taking up hours and days and and minutes of of our days, and they're constantly grabbing at our attention. And they're constantly disrupting us from concentrated thought, and they are distracting us from meaningful interactions, The average person today receives 45 notifications on their smartphone every day, not counting text messages, DMs, and news alerts. Our phones are constantly pinging and dinging and crying out to us, look at this, and check that out, and scroll over here. And it's leaving us feeling more overwhelmed because we don't know how to process it all and more disconnected and emptier than, than ever before. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just simply posing the, the, the question, what are screens really doing to us emotionally, relationally, and spiritually? Now, I don't think that the answer is to get rid of them. Like, I don't think that we should just like... Say, well, you know, we just need to uh, go do something else. You know, maybe, maybe technology will slow down. I don't think technology is going to slow down. I think it's going to continue to advance at a faster and faster pace. I think that programmers in Silicon Valley are just going to continue to come up with smarter and more effective ways of grabbing our attention because their livelihood depends upon it. The next social media fad is just around the corner And so I don't don't say all that to overwhelm you or to cause you to panic. In fact, I had somebody this last week come up to me and they were like, okay, I heard everything that you said. What are we supposed to do? Like I kind of feel like I'm drowning like if i if i if I put my phone away, then I miss out on something and I need it for work and and what about being connected to this person over here and so we just sort of feel like we're we're running against uh, the the flow of culture, and so we don't really know what to do so I, I say all that not to overwhelm you or to cause you to panic. I just say all that to to say we just need to be a, a, a bit more proactive than what we've been up to this point that that instead of being uh, reactive. We would be proactive. We would begin to give some thought to this, and we would begin to say, no, we're, we're going to establish some boundaries, and we're going to give some intentional effort into how we interact with screens. We, we're going to have a say in how much influence they have in our personal lives and within our homes. What this means is that we're going to have to have an intentional conversation with our, our, our kids about their screen time. And just what it means for them as they grow into young adults, because this is the first generation that's going to grow up with a screen in front of their faces. And so what is it going to do into the, to them into adulthood? And what this means is that husbands and wives are going to have to have a thoughtful conversation and not be defensive, not, not, not attack each other, but to have a thoughtful conversation. It means that kids, you're going to have to ask mom and dad to have a thoughtful conversation with you about the use of screens because um, they're not going to want to have it. Because truth be known, they're just as addicted and dependent on a screen as you are, and it hits a little close to home, and it causes us to feel a little bit defensive. In fact, I was just telling the worship team back in the green room, I said, the last time I felt this way, preaching a message series, was when I did a series on personal health, and everybody looked at me sort of like the way you're looking at me now, like, preacher, stop meddling, stop getting involved in my personal life, like, this is church, right? And so, even just the silence now is kind of cracking me up. So, 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 because you're like, yeah, actually, could you stop? Right. Uh, so, so what we've been doing is we've been looking at this uh, passage in Romans 12. This is our anchor passage. We're looking at it every single week, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so if you have a Bible or, or a screen with a Bible on it, it's okay. There's no judgment. There's no hidden cameras. All right? Catching you turning there. Uh, Paul is writing a group of people living in Rome, and uh, they're still people, right? They're just like you and me. They still had struggles in life. The, the issues were a bit different, but the heart is the same. And Paul writes to them and he says, hey, I want you to pay attention to uh, the way that you're living your life. I I want you to be intentional about your daily life, the way that you're spending your days, your hours, and your minutes. And so he gives them this encouragement. And that's what it's meant to be. Starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where it begins. And then you will be able to hear clearly from God. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying, listen, the the motivation for you and me to examine anything in our lives should never be fear or guilt or shame. Now, now, conviction is a different thing. But he's saying, listen, the, the motivation here isn't to make you feel bad about yourself. We gotta start with God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, in view of his love for you, in view of the fact that God is in your corner cheering you on, in view of the fact that God wants your days and your hours and your minutes to be utilized to, to the best that they can be, in view of the fact that God wants you to be the best version of you. That God created you to be the best version of you. That he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to be the best version of you. In view of that, examine the way that you're spending your time and your energy and your thoughts. And that's why, like, sin is such a big deal to God, And we get uncomfortable talking about sin because like, well, who's to say and what, what list is it? And if it's a sin for you, is it a sin for me? And, and we just need to understand that God's not like mad at you for sinning. He's not like surprised by it. God's mad at what sinning does to you and to the people that you love. And I'm just willing to bet that you're probably not happy about it either. That regardless of what you believe right now, regardless of where you stand with God, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, because we've got people all over the map, if you were just to do an honest like evaluation of your life, you would have to admit, just like me, that there have been some times where your anger got the best of you and it caused damage to a relationship and you're not happy about it. That there have been times when your inability to say no really sets you back in your career. There have been times when you indulge in something that you knew you shouldn't have, and it actually cost you in some way, and you're not happy about it. And see, sin is taking anything that in and of itself is, is a good thing, sort of like technology, like, like, like sin is taking a good thing like, like food or, or drink or entertainment or a hobby or sexual intimacy. And by the way, God created all those things. Those are all his ideas. And we take those things, though, and instead of using them the way that God intended, we, we make it ultimate in our life. You're like, well, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's what you run to when you're stressed and anxious and depressed. It's what you end up coping with most often. And you start to rely on it a little bit too much. And you make it maybe part of your identity. And you get to the point that you think you'd be less of a person If you couldn't utilize it in some way, and you start to think you can't live without it, and anytime somebody brings it up, it's a little touchy, and you get a little defensive about it. Could I say it this way? Sin is always taking a good thing and turning it into a God thing. And after a while, we discover that it can never do for us what God can. And it or they promised us everything but left us feeling emptier than ever. And so Paul says, listen, here's how you keep things in perspective, you, you, you worship. And I love that definition of worship. And I don't know how new you are to all this, but like worship, it, it's certainly singing songs, but it's way more than that. And it's, it's gaining perspective on life. That's why, how I like to think of it. You know, we gather here every seven days, and the service doesn't alter that much. I mean, we talk about different content. We're looking at a different passage. But we're singing maybe some of the same songs, maybe 15, 20 songs. I don't know where they are. But we just kind of keep in a rotation. But really, what, we're doing, what are we doing? We're, we're coming in here together, and hopefully we're gaining perspective from the week that we just came out of. And I don't know about you, but there was probably some challenges to your week just like mine. I need a little hope. I need a little perspective. I'm getting perspective to the week that I'm heading into. And Paul says, listen, you can do that every single day. You don't need to just wait for a song to be sung in order to do that. But you can take your everyday, ordinary, getting up, working out, getting coffee, running the kids to school, going to the meeting, checking your email, texting, scrolling, swiping kind of a day. He goes, you can make all those things an act of worship. It's actually a a living act of worship. And once again, you might be like, well, what does that mean? Well, it means, for starters, I'm not going to make a good thing a God thing. I'm not going to automatically run to my screen to give me validation or to give me instruction or to give me direction. God, I'm not opposed to using a screen. God's not opposed to me using a screen. But God, I'm going to declare to you and maybe a few others that I want to turn to you first and foremost. Therefore, you have jurisdiction over my screen. And I don't want to become too reliant upon it. I want to rely on you. I don't want to be conformed, but I want what I'm consuming on a screen, but I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I think that for many of us, and I know this is true for me, and maybe this is a good time for you just to sort of take a breath, because this is maybe hitting a little too close to home. And I think maybe it's time just to to recognize that we didn't set out to get caught up in our screens. Like we didn't mean for that to happen. It like just sort of happened. And I think that's part of the, the issue is that the speed at which this has come at us as a culture, the speed at which technology and screens have advanced has largely left us unprepared for how to manage it. And so we just sort of reacted to it. We sort of received it. And now, now we're starting to get caught up and go, now, wait a second. I don't know if I like what this is doing to me. Programmers have admitted that the way that they continue to stay in business is to keep your eyeballs on the screen. That becomes increasingly difficult to do in this world in which there's so much competition for your eyeballs. And so they go lower on the brainstem. They say, if we can get you outraged and if we can get you emotional, we can keep your attention. And what it's doing to us isn't healthy. we didn't mean for it to happen. You know, maybe maybe you got a cell phone for work, but now work is always following you home. And there is a blurred line between work and, and home, and you don't know how to establish those boundaries. Maybe you got a phone. For your teenager, because you wanted them to be safe and you wanted to be able to contact them whenever they're wherever they were, but now it's sort of like turned into this thing that you didn't mean for it to turn into. Because they're in their rooms all the time with their doors closed and they're texting their friends in that strange emoji language that you'll never decipher. And at times you're like, I don't really understand where they're going online and and what are they doing and who are they talking to and you feel overwhelmed. You don't know where to begin. You got on Facebook. You opened up a Facebook account 10, 15 years ago. It seemed like a really good idea at the time. It was a really cool space to go and connect with old friends, classmates, stay connected with relatives around the world, post pictures. But now increasingly you just get sucked into toxic comments and fake news. And you're just like, I just don't like how I feel about myself when I get off of that. We post a a picture to share only to be disappointed when it doesn't get very many likes and so we take it down we post a video to TikTok and we hope that you know it'll trend but then it doesn't and so we wonder if anybody really likes us and we we gave out our number to uh, someone as a courtesy and they text us all hours of the day we come home from work and we're just looking to decompress we're just looking to alleviate a little stress we pop on Netflix to watch an episode and before we know it we have binge watched an entire season of Grey's Anatomy or West Wing and we're like What am I doing? What am I doing with all my time? And we're discovering that all of this instant access to information, it isn't necessarily producing the fulfilling life of wisdom that we were hoping for. In a sermon that Dr. Martin Luther King preached in 1965, he made a statement and he could have very easily been talking about the present day when he said these words. He said, We have allowed our technology to outdistance our theology. And theology is just our thoughts about God. And for this reason, we find ourselves caught up with many problems. And I think that that's really at the core of the issue is that when we allow our screens to constantly disrupt or distract our thoughts, what it does is it, is it disconnects us from God. It disconnects us from the people that we love, and it disconnects us even from ourselves. And these screens, which have promised us so much, are letting us down. You ever been let down by your screen? You ever been disappointed by your screen? You ever been embarrassed by your screen? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine uh, not long ago. He was telling me that he and his wife were out. Uh, And they were shopping or something, and a guy comes up to them and he just said, You know, I just started recently going to your church. And he begins to immediately get very, very emotional. And he talks about how, you know, God really got a hold of him and turned his life around and how he had been going through a really messy divorce and it was super painful. And now God's become real. And he was just expressing his gratitude for the ministry of their church. And right then his phone rang and this was his ringtone I'm sexy and I know it. Yeah, that's like worst case scenario, isn't it? Like, uh, hey, my life has changed and God's so real. And then he's like fumbling around with his phone. He's like, my kids have changed my ringtone. And, and he's, uh, and then right then, like, it goes off again. I'm sexy and I know it. And he's just mortified. His face is beat red. You just feel for the guy. Like, you just want to look at him and be like, bro. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Uh, it's just, uh I'm really surprised you guys knew that. That's, uh, that's a real shocker. You ever been let down by your screen? And so you're texting your boss and autocorrect changes what you're saying. And you send it without editing it or looking at it and it's really embarrassing. Or you're, you're late for an appointment and GPS leads you down a dead-end road and you don't know how to get back, and your, your, your battery life's about dead. So you look at it, it's 20%. You're like, all right, it should be good. But then you look at it a minute later, it's down to zero. Just dropped all the way down. And when it dies, part of you dies with it. <laughs> like, th- like, this last week, like, I'm not, I can't even make this stuff up. This last week, I got into an argument with Siri. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to happen. Like, I, I was picking my girls up from school, and I, and I, I said, hey, Siri, uh, text Sean and Uh, She's like, okay, what do you want us to say? And I was like, text him that I'll give him a call later. And she's like, okay, I'm texting Sean. I'll give you a ball later. I was like, that doesn't even make sense, Siri. Like, do you want me to send it? No. Like, I say it again, and she keeps dictating it wrong every single time. I'm like, this is not that, like, uncommon of a sentence, Siri. Like, and so I get to the point where literally I'm yelling at her, and my girls look at each other like, dad has lost his mind. Like, he is... He he is in need of therapy, and that's actually very, very true. I am. Our phones often let us down, and we're so dependent upon them. According to uh, research from Morgan Stanley, they say that 91% of smartphone users have their phones within arm's reach at all times. I thought about having all of you just hold up your phones right now, but I don't want to do that to you, all right? 68% of us won't go anywhere without it. The New York Times posted an article not long ago. I thought the title was kind of interesting. The Rise of the Toilet Texter." <laughs> and surveys have found that 75% of us have used our smartphones on the toilet. Oh, stop it. You know you've done it. All right? <laughs> I can't believe the three-fourths of the room would do such a disgusting thing. It gets weirder. All right, 25% of us refuse to go to the bathroom without them. of us have answered calls. 41% of us have made calls. 16% of us have ordered items online. I think that's much higher. 20% have joined a conference call. All while sitting atop the porcelain throne. So one of the cultural issues... For the Christ followers living in Rome at the time that Paul writes this letter to them was idolatry. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that word. And chances are maybe you think about little golden statues that people sort of carried around and bowed down to. And it's very easy then to sort of dismiss idolatry as a thing that we deal with today in our modern era. We don't think that it's a modern problem anymore. But, but I like uh, Henry Blackaby's definition of idolatry. He said that an idol is anything you turn to for help when God invited you to turn to Him for help. So anything can be an idol. Actually, any good thing can become an idol. And so these believers living in Rome, they had all these various physical temples that they could go into to turn to help, to to find some comfort, to get some instruction and some direction for their lives rather than looking to God for those things. And so they would visit all these pagan temples to get a fix of some kind. Uh, Listen to how Paul describes the scene this way in Romans chapter 1. And I really like how the message paraphrases it. It just says, what, what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but they didn't treat him like God. Does that sound familiar? Like, oh, we're aware of God, but don't necessarily treat him like God. We have knowledge of God. That doesn't mean we acknowledge him as God. And they are refusing to worship him, so they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but they were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any road sign stand. Does that sound eerily familiar? And today we no longer necessarily have these like physical temples that we go into to get a fix. We don't have to. We carry these temples around in our pockets And we can go anywhere we want, online, any time of the day, in relative anonymity, to find the help or the comfort, the instruction or the direction that we're looking for. So when we're feeling restless, we might visit the temple of Amazon.com to purchase something that, you know, we really don't need, and it can wait, but we need a little hit of dopamine, and so we hit order. And we're looking for some inspiration. And so we we visit the temple of of Pinterest. We're stressed. We visit the temple of a porn site. When we're bored or lonely, we visit the temples of Instagram or TikTok. And we say, well, I'm not literally bowing down to these things, but I'm just wondering that what do you think it might look like to God when he sees all of us as people just walking around with our screens in this posture? Sort of looks like worship. Sort of looks like we're bowing down to these online temples. And I'm just wondering if God's saying, listen, those things aren't bad. They can be good. We're going to talk more about this next week. Is How can we use our screens in productive ways? How can we redeem them, so to speak? But I'm just wondering if God is, is asking us, say, hey, listen, will you begin to allow your screen to diminish the glow from your face so that I can say some things and do some things in your life. And for many of us, instead of putting our screens on the altar, we've turned them into an altar. Instead of leaning into God who created the world with his hands, we've traded him for a device that we hold in our hands. And we emerge from these online temples feeling emptier, lonelier, more anxious, more depressed than ever. Why? Because it's a false God. And we didn't mean for it to be, but it's become that, because it's what we've turned to for help when God has asked us to turn to Him for help. And it promises so much, but it always lets us down. In a recent survey, there were some teenagers, they were asked about social media, and teens who visit social media every single day are more likely to agree with these three statements. I often feel lonely. I feel left out, I wish I had more good friends. Does that seem ironic to anyone? That on social media, the place that we go online to be social, it leaves us feeling lonelier, left out and disconnected. And so what I'd like to do in the remainder of our time, like I don't wanna just like leave you there, I wanna try to give you some hope and some help. And so I just want to ask a series of of questions designed to just help you or your family or your life group just kind of think through your screen usage. And so I want to begin kind of with this question right here is just like, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you maybe become too dependent upon a screen? I think that for many of us, we probably know whether we want to admit it or not, but others of us, maybe we don't know. So, so how do you know? And I think the first step towards just making sure that this doesn't become a problem, if it's not for you right now, I man, that's great. So how do you keep it from not becoming a problem? If it is a problem, the first step towards getting healthier is to, to not be defensive, not to not be too touchy about it, but to, to just be open to it and to say, yeah, I just need to acknowledge that maybe there's something here. This is digressed into something I never intended. So let me just kind of give you a series of questions for you to think through. Here's the first one. I referenced this last week. Is my screen the last thing I look at before going to bed and the first thing I see when I wake? And if so, like I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, is it the healthiest thing? Because like the the blue light in the screen is disrupting your sleep, which then has all sorts of other effects. If you're a light sleeper and the thing is pinging and dinging and vibrating all night long, it's going to wake you up through the night. Or if you can't sleep, you roll over, you grab it, you start to scroll. Maybe it's the very first thing that you look to when you wake up. And I had a friend tell me this last week. She just said, you know, I realize that I don't want my phone on my bedstand stand anymore, but I use it as an alarm clock. So I went out and I bought an old-fashioned alarm, and I'm putting my phone downstairs. And I know just by giving that example, some of you are like, whoa, Pastor, that's going nuclear right there. <laughs> And I don't know, may, may, that's just for you to decide. Here's another question, when I, when I get bored, do I instinctively just reach for my phone? And it's like, you, didn't, you don't even remember, like, thinking, I'm going to reach for my phone, you, do, you just do. Here's another question, do I interrupt the conversation I'm in with a real-life person to check my screen when there's a text, a call, or a notification? And all of us have probably been on the giving and the receiving ends of that one. And it sends a message, doesn't it? Whether we mean for it to or not. Like most of us, I think when we reach for our screen, when there's somebody right across from us, we don't mean to say we don't care about what you're saying. It's just like, well, what, what, what is there an emergency? Is there something I need to look at? But it sends a message. And I, I'm hearing more and more restaurants starting to develop like these like pouches on the backs of chairs where you can just put the screen in the pouch, so that way you can have an uninterrupted conversation over dinner. Here's another question. Where do I turn for comfort when I'm hurting? See, where you run to comfort first says a lot about what you're putting your trust in and your hope in. So I don't know, maybe you have a long day at work, maybe you get into a fight with your spouse, and so you just decide to go into the the temple of ESPN Plus or Amazon.com and get a little dopamine rush you feel better for just a little while but it, it doesn't last there's another question where do I go for direction when I'm confused and oftentimes we'll, we'll go online first and we'll post something asking for other people's advice or counsel nothing wrong with that but unless we spend all of our time reading what other people have to say about our situation rather than trying to discern what God's saying to us from his word And so increasingly, we're looking to our screens for direction. In the last two years, there has been a 60% increase in Google searches that begin with best blank for me. So people are getting online on Google and they're going, what is the best car for me? The best hairstyle for me? The best pet for me? The best career for me? Best vacation for me? Best exercise plan for me? Best diet? Best option? Best match for me? Best color for me? See what's happening there? We're not just going to Google to access information, but to get direction. There's been an 80% increase in Google searches that start with, should I? Should I switch jobs? Should I retire? Should I refinance? Should I sell my house? Should I get a flu shot? Should I get therapy? Should I make the first move? Should I stop talking to him? Should I stay married? Should I sign up for the dating app? Should I go vegan? Should I go paleo? Go keto? Should I stop vaping? Should I get that rash looked at? Yes, yes. Yes, you should. (laughs) Should I change doctors? Should I post another selfie? Like all these questions. What should I do with my life? What direction should I go? And maybe maybe instead of saying, hey, Siri, we need to say, hey, God, more often. See, when you're conformed, it leads to this trivialization and this silliness, Paul says. But when you're transformed... Here's what you get. I want to read our passage from the message paraphrase. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's what we're doing here. We're just trying to evaluate, trying to evaluate how much screen time we have. Instead, fix your attention on God. And here's what you'll get. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you, and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. I love that way of thinking about wisdom. That's what wisdom is. It's well-informed maturity. A couple more questions. Where do I turn to for fulfillment when I feel empty? And so we run to these apps or these social media sites like instagram online shopping whatever it is and we're, we're looking to we're just thirsty we're just looking to to get fulfilled kind of reminds me of samuel taylor Coleridge in his rhyme on the ancient mariner he said there was a sailor adrift at sea and he just said he as he looked around he goes there's water water everywhere but not a drop to drink we look at this online sea that we're in there's water water everywhere and we indulge in it and it tastes initially wet initially good but it's salt water it leaves us thirstier than ever last question where do i turn to for validation when i feel insecure and so maybe we just take a selfie and we filter it and edit it and crop it and post it and then we run back 10 minutes later to be validated by the number of likes or the comments in an effort to deal with some of the insecurities that we have And God wants to be that for you. God wants to say some things to you. God wants to speak into your identity. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And you know what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you delight yourself in your screen, it'll never be enough. So what are some practical ways that we can power down? I just want to go through these real quickly. Uh, There's seven of them. I don't think that you need to try to employ all seven. I don't want you to be overwhelmed to the point that you can't stick with this. But maybe pick one or two of these and say, we're going we're to do it this week. Or we're going to do it before the series is up just to begin to try to set some boundaries. Here, here's the first one. is just go on a digital detox. You know, anytime somebody is addicted to a drug, they go to rehab, they're detoxing. And I think that many of us, we don't call it addiction, but that's what it is. Like maybe we need to go through a periodic digital detox and you establish the time frame Maybe with you and some other people, you just say, you know what, during a 24-hour period of time, we're going to be detoxing from our digital devices or from 6 in the evening till 6 in the morning. We're not going to have them on, whatever that looks like for you. What, what is it? It's like a fast. You're just trying to recenter some things in your life instead of letting them dictate your time. Maybe a practical way you could do that, number two, is to remove phones and screens from the dinner table and from bedrooms. That may be two really good places to remove them. Say, you know what, when we sit down for dinner, we're not going to have screens. We're in our bedrooms, not going to have screens. Those are going to be two places. They're off limits. Maybe a way to help with this is I've heard of some people doing this where you can make uh, what is called like a a fully present box. And so when you walk into the mudroom or the kitchen or whatever, there's a box there. And everybody just kind of takes their phones, powers them down, sets them in the box for an agreed upon period of time so that we can be fully present with one another. And uh, so I want to have some fun with this. I'd love to have a fully present box competition, all right, across all campuses. I know we've got some really creative people out there. And so uh, come up with a fully present box and just be super creative with it. And then um, let's just use Instagram for this. Post it, all right. I I realize that that feels a little icky. I know, like a little bit hypocritical, but we're redeeming it, all right. So... Posted just on Instagram, because Facebook's of the devil. And um, just on Instagram, and, and uh, you can tag me, you can tag our church, so that way we, we can see them. And the winner of the fully present box across all campuses is going to get your life back, all right? So you're welcome, all right? No, but seriously, uh, let's have some fun with it, all right? I'd lo- love to see some of your creative ideas. Number four, turn off notifications. I think that's a little thing you can do right now. Uh, anytime you sign up for an app, it will always say, uh, "Do you want allow this app to notify you?" Always hit no. Just always hit no. Get into the habit of it. Go into your settings. Go into notifications. Just see how many apps are notifying you. Just hit off, 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 off. It'll actually uh, calm your phone down significantly. Use Do Not Disturb more often. I think it's a glorious thing. I started using it when I was preaching because I was tired of my phone buzzing while I was preaching. And uh, I think you can still select people into your favorites. They can still get in touch with you. There's an emergency, but it just kind of quiets everything else out. I am, I'm reading a book right now by James Clear called Atomic Habits. And he was talking about how when he was writing the book that he was spending too much time on social media and it was distracting him from writing. So he has his assistant every Monday uh, change the passwords on all of his social media and it logs him out on every device. And so he doesn't even have the option of logging on Monday through Friday. So it's not a distraction as he works. Friday afternoon, she emails him the new password so that he can have social media over the weekend. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good little thing to do. Maybe you don't have an assistant. Maybe you would give that to your spouse or to your close friend or somebody that you trust to help you with this. Number six, set time limits on apps. And then when it says uh, five minutes, a five minute warning, do you want to ignore? Don't hit ignore. <laughs> But stay with it. Last one, number seven. How about this? Just commit to decreasing your screen time by a certain percentage. I'm not asking you to go, go cold turkey. But go to settings, go to screen time, and just, just look and see how much time you're actually spending on that screen and where you're spending it. And ask yourself, is this how I want to live my life? See, so CEO Tim Cook, that, he said that's the reason why they came up with screen time is because he realized he was spending too much time on his device the CEO of Apple, and so just go on screen time and just say, you know what, I'm spending X percentage of my week on screen time as a personal challenge, I'm going to decrease it by 10% or 20% or whatever it is for you, for the, for the sole effort of being able to hear from God more clearly, connect with others more meaningfully, and to even be able to reflect on who you are. As a person, listen, God wants the best for you. This series is not based in shame. He simply wants the best for you. He wants, he wants to speak to you. He's got some things he wants to share with you, some ways he wants to guide you. And maybe even today, like you just need to stop before you scoot out of here real fast. I just want to encourage you to slow down. I mean, shut the screen off right now. Turn it over and say, this is an uninterrupted time where I can just sit and reflect and hear from God. And what's the one thing God want to say to me today? And maybe you're here today and you've never responded to Jesus and today you just simply want to trust him with your life, your, your screen time. You want him to be your savior and your Lord because he wants the best for you. And So let's, let's go to him right now and invite God into our lives. Father, we come to you right now. And this is hard to talk about because I know that this maybe hits a little too close to home for some of us. Like some of us, we maybe feel ashamed or guilty. And I just pray, God, that that would not be the dominant emotion here, but that just a healthy conviction, just an ability to say, no, no, no we, we want to speak into the way we spend our time and our energy and, our, and what we're looking at. And so, God, I pray that you give us the courage to take action today, that we wouldn't feel overwhelmed. I pray, God, that this wouldn't cause an argument in the car on the way home, but maybe a healthy discussion recognizing that we want to be for each other in this as well. And so God, I pray that as we begin to employ some of these practical things to power down our devices, that your voice would become louder, more distinct, and more clear in our lives. And so begin right now. Meet us in this space. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.